cannabidiol, or CBD derived from hemp, is now legal under federal law, and it's everywhere. CBD perfumes, facial oils, cosmetics, gummies, chocolates, lotions, slushies, candles, and more. I'm Leanne Lee, and you're listening to Attorneys at Law, our podcast series devoted to all things advertising, marketing, and digital media law. Today, we're discussing the surge in popularity of CBD products. Looking at the federal and state regulatory landscape for this burgeoning industry and providing answers to questions about what companies should know when it comes to CBD marketing. Joining us today is partner Randy Shaheen and associate Jack Ferry, both attorneys on Baker Hostetler's advertising, marketing, and digital media team. Welcome, Randy and Jack. Thanks, Leanne. We're happy to be here with you today to talk about CBD. Great. So to get us started, Jack, what is CBD and is it legal? Hey, Leanne. It's uh, a great opening question. Uh, something on many minds, I'm sure. CBD is a cannabinoid found in the cannabis plant. And the cannabis plant can be broken down into two you know, main species, the marijuana and hemp varieties. And CBD uh, it can be found in both of them. But what's special about uh, CBD and hemp is that hemp doesn't contain THC, or if it does, it's in very low levels, rather, um, which is, of course, the cannabinoid within the cannabis plant that makes people uh, intoxicated and has kind of the effects associated with marijuana to some extent. So uh, because hemp does not have the intoxicating effects that marijuana does, uh, the 2018 Farm Bill actually legalized CBD so long as it's derived from hemp and contains less than 0.3% THC. Um, so as of that, uh, pass- the passage of that law in 2018, late 2018, hemp-derived CBD is legal, um, which was, you know, ushered in this huge industry for CBD. But there is one important uh, federal roadblock remaining, and that's the fact that the FDA prohibits adding CBD to food and dietary supplements, which also applies to pet products. That's something, unfortunately, that is you know, still being worked out. Uh, so the answer is yes, CBD is legal, but there, there's still some uh, roadblocks that we're trying to figure out how to navigate. Yeah, we're actually recording this uh, podcast the day after the election. So I'm guessing there was some significant use of CBD products for anxiety in the last 24 hours. And Randy, so what are the prospects that CBD ingestibles may become legal under federal law anytime soon? Right. So Leanne, so here's here's the catch with that. Before, as Jack mentioned, right, there was a farm bill that legalized CBD products under federal law. But before that happened, FDA had actually separately authorized a drug for use with epilepsy patients that included CBD at much higher dosages, but but CBD was was the active ingredient. And there is this probably little known provision, at least until now, in FDA parlance that, that says you can't take something that's a drug and put it in foods or dietary supplements. And you know, typically that that makes sense, but in this case, you know, CBD is probably at lower doses, perfectly fine in in food and and dietary supplements. And so FDA has been trying to find a way around that. And the industry has been trying to find a way around that problem really since the day CBD was legalized. And everybody keeps predicting that 
there's going to be a solution soon, but it just hasn't happened. FDA's held some public hearings on the topic. They've expressed concerns, though, about at what dosage is CBD safe? In other words, is there the risk of taking too much CBD? They worry about, is it going to impact kids or pregnant women, for example, differently? Uh, and so they, they want some reassurance, or they've said they want some reassurance about those issues before they'll try to take the next step and allow it to be used in ingestibles. There's also been talk potentially about a legislative solution. Not much, as everyone knows, gets through Congress these days, but there's been some talk and certainly it seems like an issue that could have bipartisan support. And there's also just a lot of pressure from larger brands to, to solve this problem. They would love to be able to market CBD, but typically the larger brands are a little more gun shy about doing it without FDA approval. But they've signaled that, there, for example, Ben & Jerry's ran an ad for a potential CBD flavored ice cream, but you know they're not going to pull the trigger on that unless and until FDA authorizes the use of CBD in, in food and other ingestibles. And just to clarify on that, um, you know, to mixed degree, several large brands are including CBD in non-ingestible products and cosmetics as opposed to food and dietary supplements. Um, so you're going to be seeing a lot of CBD on, on shelves, but, you know, we're just flagging here that there's a pretty significant difference between a cosmetic and adding it into food. Yeah, we should note too, Jack, that uh, ingestibles includes things that your your pets eat, your dogs, your cats, your goldfish, your hamsters. FDA considers pet products to also be ingestibles. If they're, you know, if it's a pet cream, it's fine. But if the pet ingests it, it's covered by the same prohibition. So that's great perspective on the federal level. Now let's talk about the states. Are CBD products still illegal in any states? So as Americans, we're familiar with kind of uh, this possibility of drugs being legal at the federal level and illegal at, uh, at the state level, or how we traditionally think of it, vice versa with marijuana, which of course is now permitted in many states, but is prohibited at the federal level still. Um, and as Randy noted before, we're just one day after the election here. Results are unknown. We're pretty far from knowing anything about any perspective changes. Um, but so CBD actually has the same sort of framework, but it flips the script. So instead of uh, being prohibited at the federal level like marijuana is, CBD is now legal there, but it's still prohibited in a few states. The good news is that CBD is now uh permitted in many, many more states than it was two years ago. Right after the Farm Bill passed in late 2018, most states still followed the old example of the federal law in which CBD was prohibited uh, as cannabis. You know, the hemp plant was still defined as cannabis under the you know, drug law. And as a result, products such as CBD that were derived from the hemp plant were prohibited. Um, the federal law came in, the 2018 Farm Bill, and created a specific exemption for hemp-derived products so long as they have less than 0.3% THC. In the last two years, uh, you know, dozens of states have followed that exact uh, legislative framework and have passed similar exemptions. What, uh, you know, is kind of difficult here is that there is still a patchwork of laws. It's not really a, uh, you know, one-size-fit-all solution because... In some states, you aren't allowed to have any THC in a product. You know, the federal law says 
um, you know, they're committed if there's less than 0.3% THC. But some states, when they pass these laws, said, okay, we'll allow CBD products, but can't have any THC in it, zero THC. Um, and so there's, you know, there's definitely the federal standard is what many states have, but there still is a bit of a patchwork of laws. But the good news is that, you know, long story short, in the vast majority of states, CBD uh, is now legal so long as it meets certain requirements, primarily hemp-derived and less than 0.3% THC. And we just expect this, uh, you know, this trend to continue and, uh, you know, hold out states to clarify their laws and also likely uh, permit CBD. Of course, that hasn't happened everywhere yet, but that's that's where we've been moving uh, pretty rapidly over the last two years. There's obviously lots of uh, potential change and potential confusion. And, you know, so CBD products you can eat are illegal, but I see them all the time. So, Randy, what's the practical risk here? So I think, you know, initially, as Jack said, the federal government kind of got out ahead of the states. And so a lot of states still considered CBD to be part of the definition of marijuana. It was still illegal. And you saw a decent amount of enforcement at the state or the local level, I think, for a couple of reasons. One is I think a lot of law enforcement didn't necessarily understand the, the difference between CBD and marijuana. And then there was also this fear that this was going to give carte blanche for people. You know, the plants look, based, a hemp plant, a marijuana plant look virtually identical. And this was going to give people carte blanche to start growing you know, marijuana in their backyard. And the cops show up and they say, oh, no, don't worry, it's hemp. So states were nervous about this. You saw in some localities product being taken off shelves. Sometimes consumers were stopped. For example, if you're going through an airport or coming through customs and you have a CBD product with you, it might have gotten seized. One woman down in Florida was headed to the happiest place on earth at Disney World, went through security. She had arthritis, so she had CBD oil in her bag and it was confiscated and they, they wouldn't let her come in. Now that the states have pretty much transformed to legalizing CBD, you're seeing a lot less, essentially, you know, no enforcement simply for selling CBD products. And I think that has encouraged companies, particular smaller companies, or if you're selling online where you can't have product you know, seized off shelves, to go ahead and market CBD products that are topical. And then also, to some degree, to market edible CBD products, even though they're not legal technically under FDA's law and FDA so far has not gone after these companies just for the sake of marketing the products. Now, the exception to that, of course, is if they're making claims for either topical CBD or edible CBD products that the government thinks can't be substantiated. So what you are seeing on the enforcement side still is FDA slash FTC sending out warning letters, bringing cases against companies that are making more kind of hard health claims for CBD products, things like it'll help with Alzheimer's or help with cancer, help cure depression, those kinds of more health-related claims, not things like help you feel less anxious or soothing, those kinds of softer claims. So you are seeing that. And then lastly, the other thing you're seeing still from a regulatory standpoint are class actions that have been filed, kind of falling into three categories. One is cases where they allege 
you've overstated the amount of CBD in the product. CBD is pretty expensive. So arguably people have kind of cheated or tried to cut back on it. Second, some edible CBD products have, have been sued in class actions simply because they don't comply with federal law. And California in particular has a quasi cause of action for products that are being marketed in violation of the law. And then finally, as I think Jack mentioned, CBD products can contain small amounts of THC, which is the, the active kind of drug component in marijuana. But some companies want to market their products. Consumers want products that are THC free. It doesn't cause drug test complications. And so there have been some class action lawsuits alleging that products are falsely claiming to be THC free. Psychoactive is the word for THC. I, I was saying intoxicating earlier, which I, you know, I think is correct, but the, the exact word I was looking for is psychoactive component. Well, it certainly seems like with all of that in mind, there's an awful lot happening with CBD that could potentially confuse consumers. So Jack, are there any solutions for that on the horizon? Yeah, so, you know, uh, initially, like I talked about before, uh, CBD was legalized and it was kind of the wild, wild west initially with, you know, what can we say? Well, there's not laws here, so we can say anything, you know, how we, you know all, all kinds of claims and all kinds of uh, products were being sold. It, it was really, you know, just a huge boom in the industry and a lot was happening. Um, but, you know, kind of when, when I guess the government sees that wild, wild west, then the next step is regulation. Um, so there has been some uh, move towards regulation of CBD products. Like, you know, Randy mentioned, part of that process is, you know, what the FDA is doing, but also even, you know, class action cases can kind of help regulate the industry. But the most formal uh, form of it has been um, labeling laws that certain states have passed. You know, a growing number of states, not a majority yet by any means, but you know, maybe edging it on double digits or past that now, number of states require labeling on CBD products. The, the point of this is pretty apparent. It goes back to what Randy was saying that some CBD products may misstate what, what's in the uh, you know, what, what it actually contains. And so consumers think they're paying a premium for this amount of CBD, but really it's not in the product. Um, so these sort of labeling laws are kind of helping to get at those kinds of issues. The, the issue is that there isn't really a, you know, a coherent standard around what that labeling should look like right now. So uh, what's common is for, you know, to have Certain, certain common things are required across pretty much all these laws. And that includes the amount of CBD that's in the product, the amount of THC that's in the product, uh, you know, some sort of coding system that identifies the date and place of manufacture and the manufacturer itself, statement that, you know, the FDA has not evaluated or approved the product. And, you know, that sounds like a lot as is, but then there's even some additional uh, requirements that it's, you know, uh, maybe you have to display all of the cannabinoids and, you know, how many of the, the amount of milligrams of them in the product, um, you know, that you should consult a licensed healthcare professional if pregnant, whether the CBD is synthetic or natural. The, the states are really, there, you know, taking a broad number of approaches to this. So there's a lot of requirements out there right now. Um, and one, one point, one thing to note about that is that uh, there is also a divide here in terms of labeling for food or dietary supplement CBD products and for cosmetics. 
some states only have labeling requirements that apply to uh, ingestible products. Well, that is a lot of information to put on a product label. So if I'm someone who sells CBD products in multiple states, how can I handle this problem in a practical way? So, Leanne, it, it can become a problem, and particularly depending on you know, how big your product is. There may just not be a lot of space on the label. And I think it's only going to get worse as probably more states begin to create these labeling requirements. I mean, hopefully at some point we'll develop some kind of standardized labeling regulatory scheme, much like there is under the, the Fair Packaging Act. But we're not there yet. So you know, one potential solution, which isn't risk-free, but so far the states have not been aggressively enforcing these, these labeling requirements, is a number of the states let you provide this information via, for example, a QR code or some kind of scannable code on the product. Consumer can scan it with their smartphone, takes them to a, a website, and then you display on the website all of the required information, how much CBD is in the product, THC content, et cetera. So one possibility, if it just seems impossible to fit everything on the label that's supposed to be there, assuming you're dealing with a state that requires it to be on the label, is to do a little bit of a hybrid, right? Put what you can on the label, probably the stuff that seems more critical, and then the rest of the information, if you just really can't get it all in there, is, is to use the QR code solution and, and still provide it to the consumer, but provide it that way. I think in a number of these states, it's not technically going to be compliant, but you probably have a good argument that you're at least complying with the spirit of the law. And again, stay tuned, keep an eye out. But so far, the states have not been kind of aggressively policing these, these requirements. That's a lot to think about. So Jack, with all of this in mind, what kind of claims can I make for my CBD products? Uh, you know, Randy and I are both in uh, the advertising group here at uh, Baker and Hostetler. And, you know, kind of the consistent mandate in this uh, field of law is that you can only make a claim for which you have substantiation. You can only claim something if you have adequate support for it. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a case by case question and, you know, um, advertisers will need to look at what kind of support they have for the claims they want to make. But the general consensus on CBD right now is essentially that there isn't one. There are a lot of people, you know, claiming it's a wonder drug and that it can solve all kinds of things, but there isn't really a scientific backup for that yet, at least not publicly so. Um, so in terms of kind of assessing risk for different claims, uh, the FDA and the FTC have only gone after, you know, sent warning letters to companies making serious disease or health claims. And, you know, it's along the lines of CBD treatment effectively blocks progression of arthritis, has shown the ability to kill cancer cells, treats neuropathic disorders, treats neuropsychiatric disorders, you know, things that are so severe, I struggle to say the name of them. So th those kind of serious disease and health claims, there's certainly not, uh, you know, going to be any tolerance for that. And you know, stay away from that is kind of the real bright line here. If you want to make softer claims, and Randy mentioned that before, and you've seen a lot of that on shelves, I'm sure, like pain relief or sleep aid, 
that kind of thing, then, you know, again, you should only make a claim if you have adequate support for it. Um, but realistically, those are lower risk right now based on, uh, you know, what we're seeing from the FDA and FDC. So, Randy, what happens if I have other ingredients in my CBD products that would support certain claims? Can I make those claims in that case? So, Leanne, that is a workaround that we see a number of companies, a number of clients using. I mean, as Jack mentioned, it is lower risk to make kind of softer claims, pain relief, et cetera. But I, you know, I will say that the former FDA commissioner kind of scolded a bunch of retailers for selling a CBD pain relief cream, even though that is a pretty soft claim because he basically said, you can't, you can't support that claim. They didn't take any regulatory action. It was more kind of a public spanking or scolding. But what we have seen people do that want to bring that risk level down even further is go ahead and market a product with something FDA has already recognized as having some property. So for pain relief, you know, menthol is already authorized or approved for soothing relief of pain. So go ahead and market a, a cream with menthol, market it for pain relief, but then say with CBD or the same thing with like sleep is to go ahead and market a product with melatonin, which a lot of people view as a, as a sleep aid and then add CBD to it and say with CBD. And you know, what a lot of folks tell us, what we hear is the CBD will just kind of sell it itself. And people don't really focus too carefully on the specific claims. And so the advantage of that is if you say, you know, menthol pain relief cream with CBD, you have isolated, you've separated the, the efficacy claim, the pain relief claim, the sleep aid claim from the CBD. So you're not so clearly suggesting that the CBD plays an active role in that, as opposed to just saying it's something you've added to the product. And so that's one way to, to try to work around some of these problems as far as there not being a whole lot of science yet to support claims behind CBD. That definitely makes sense. Now, on the flip side, let's say I have a competitor that I think is making unsupported claims. Jack, what can I do in that situation? Well, what we would always say is to call us. <laughs> You know, call, pick up the phone and contact Randy and, and he'll tell you what to do. But, you know, the what we've already seen already is um, the NAD take up this issue. And, you know, for those of you who may not know, NAD is the National Advertising Division. It's an advertising self-regulatory body. And it, it basically allows uh, you know, companies to bring challenges there to their competitors advertising and say, hey, what they're doing is deceptive. It's misleading to consumers and we want them to stop. Uh, so if you have tested your competitor's product and you say, Hey, that doesn't actually have CBD in it, you know, you probably send them a cease and desist letter. And if they don't comply, then you can file an action at NAD and NAD doesn't have any, uh, legal authority on its own per se, but the, uh, FTC has a good track record of picking up NAD cases uh, that it refers to them, which it does if an advertiser doesn't comply with the NAD's decision. And that's actually, uh, there's already been one case along these lines at NAD where it, it found that a company couldn't support its claims that its products contain CBD and the company agreed to discontinue those uh, advertisements. And, and I'll add a, a, an additional plug to Jack's plug, which is that's a 
the case that Jack and I handled for a client at NAD. And it was kind of nice to have the, the first CBD case that NAD got to uh, address. Absolutely. So last question, and I know this is a question that all of our listeners want to hear you answer. Do either of you use any CBD products? So I'll go first. I've, I've had probably a CBD gummy or two in my time, but don't use any of them regularly. I do have a, one of my daughters uh, has some issues with anxiety and she has been using a CBD oil to help with, with some of that. I, I get anecdotal reports from her that she thinks it's, it's somewhat helpful, but she, she definitely finds it useful to have. And then I did have a client send me a CBD product for, for dogs and ingestible. So, you know, don't close your ears, but, um, uh, I tried, we had a puppy at the time and I thought maybe it would help calm the puppy down, but then we ended up not, not using it. I probably should have given it to, to Jack who now has a, a new puppy as well. Yeah. You know, like Randy said, clients send us products sometimes and I uh, think, oh, you know, okay, like why buy this? I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, something coming in from this client, but Randy says he's only had a gummy or two yet. There's never any of these freebies left in his office. So <laughs> So I have not had the opportunity yet. Well, this has been quite an entertaining conversation. And so Randy and Jack, I really want to thank you for your time and uh, for making this such an informative discussion for our listeners. If you have any questions for them, you'll find their contact information in the show notes. And if you haven't already signed up, be sure to subscribe to Baker Hostetler's Ad Attorneys at Law newsletters and blog at bakerlaw.com. And coming up in our next Ad Attorneys at Law podcast, we'll be talking about consumer reviews. It's no secret that reviews and testimonials can influence buying decisions. But what is there to watch out for legally? Amy Ralph Mudge outlines the legal framework and counts down an essential list of legal do's and don'ts. I'm Leanne Lee. Thanks for listening to Ad Attorneys at Law, the Baker Host podcast series covering all things advertising law. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of our firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.